think I'm not super risk averse in general, but I think coming from Germany and the Berlin ecosystem, having worked in tech before, I didn't see many risks, to be honest. Hey, Felipe, how's it going? Going great. Thanks for the invite. Happy to be here. It's great having you here, actually. Give it to my noobness in the space, but you didn't actually catch my eye before. And now my LinkedIn page is filled with all the awards that you're winning. And last week, I saw that you tweeted, today marks the first time I earned money online with a product I've been building. And it's just no friends and family, but a real customer, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, indeed. Um, big milestone for me personally. How does it feel, the awards versus the money from the customer? How like all the rewards compared to the feedback from the user? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I must say it's not just me um, in my current entrepreneurial journey. It's mm -hmm. also my co-founder, Tien, who has a big part in all the achievements that we had so far, especially on the pitching side. So he's the typical commercial guy on the team. I'm the technical guy uh, and product guy. And um, so usually he's the guy uh, pitching um, on all the events. But I think at the end of the day, the positive feedback from users is the most important because this is the reason we are building um, a company because we have to convince customers to pay for our products and services. And if you really find someone that is willing to pay quite a few uh, euros for your product, that's an incredible positive feedback. Mm. And so I would say this was actually more important than all the pitch, pitching awards that we have won. And why don't you then take it from here and introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, for the audience, my name is Philippe, um, born and raised in Berlin. I have a background in business and engineering. I studied at yeah, different universities here in Berlin. And to, towards the end of my studies, I found out that I really would love to um, build a startup by myself in the future. So straight away, I thought, what's the best thing you could do after university? And um, that was clear for me to start at a startup. So I worked in the startup scene um, for a couple of years. Also, it's pretty, pretty large and uh, well-known ones. So yeah, I one of the pretty, cool startups in Berlin. Yeah, I got right. pretty lucky. Um, so I worked in Berlin as well. So at WeFox, an insurtech company that is, has also unicorn starter, uh, status. And I worked there as a product associate. So on the product side, I had a lot of exposure also to tech and engineering. And since our product back then was pretty technical and I wanted to understand more about the intricacies of technology, I um, switched my role to solutions engineering, which is basically a role some, somewhere between sales and engineering. How did you make that switch though? Did you need to learn how to code? Um, yes, so I was pretty lucky actually because the head of the department of solutions engineering was super open to give me the opportunity to learn the technology, what an API is, uh, how to use APIs, how to integrate APIs and everything. And he was super patient with me. He gave me the opportunity to, to learn that and invested his time and resources in me. So I uh, learned a ton in this period. And um, But yeah, at some point, the learning curve was kind of flattening and um, I wanted to have more control um, okay. over a product or part of a product and then went on to um, Trade Republic as a product manager. Trade Republic, I think I don't have to really say it, it's a, 
uh, a great success here in Berlin in the startup ecosystem, a Robin Hood um, sister. Basically, it's a um, brokerage company that allows users and users to invest um, in the financial markets to uh, save for retirement, mm -hmm. etc. And this was also an awesome time. I learned a lot. So both startups were kind of um, already in the scale-up phase, and I learned so many things about what's important to 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 build yeah an awesome startup from hiring, operational requirements, um, products design, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These were straight out of university, right? Yes. So I actually started at Weekforks um, as a working student, mm -hmm. and then got an offer to to join full time. Yeah. Nice. And then after Trade Republic, you went on to start your own app, mm -hmm. and afterwards it was Click. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I had a couple of ideas always in my mind, and um, I started already implementing some ideas after work and on the weekend, some smaller projects, initially also in the financial space, like um, stock tracking, stock comparison tools to um, find the right stock picks. Um, but another idea that I had for many years in mind was a platform that enables you to share your calendar with your community. It could be any kind of interest groups around your hobbies or your, basically your friends. And I was like, okay, this is something I could build by myself. And mm -hmm. this is a project that I, is also feasible for me to build. Um, so yeah, roughly 14 months ago, I started out building um, a mobile app called Up2. Built everything by myself, did the marketing by myself. Would you um, say that this is an indie hacker phase of yours? Yes, definitely. Um, I learned a lot about solo entrepreneurship and indie hacking, like why I was working in a startup, in a venture funded startup, and I liked the yeah, the 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 counter idea of how to build a bootstrap startups, and there are so many um, successful examples mm -hmm. of it. Levels IO uh, yeah. is one of them, and um, I also listened to podcasts from from that space, Indie Hackers, for instance. Mm -hmm. And that got me inspired to find an idea that I might be able to build by myself. Yeah, yeah I also found um, up to at Product Hunt. So that's why I wanted to ask. And looking yeah. at your tweets and the LinkedIn posts, I kind of sense that you wanted to build in public a little bit, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. I mean, if you are by yourself and um, you, you don't have any budget to do paid ads or I don't know, work with influencers or whatever. One strategy uh, is to build in public and let people and potential users already know before you have something shipped that you are onto something um, to, let's say, grow a community or people that are interested in the product that you are building. Yeah, there was an attempt. Yeah. yeah. But how viable is that? Uh, how viable is being an indie hacker? Mm. I mean, I'm by no means an expert. Bootstrapping a startup and indie hacking is also pretty difficult. I guess building a venture-funded startup might be maybe even a bit more difficult, I guess. But, I mean, you have to be able to code or build a product if you have a software product um, by yourself. Of course, you can use a lot of no-code already or now ChatGPT yeah. uh, for the rescue. I mean, I'm on Twitter a lot and there's the, the indie hacking and uh, solo entrepreneurship community is huge there. Mm -hmm. So I know many, many amazing uh, role models in, in this community that got also successful with it. So you can make it, but I'm also reading of people that work 
80 hours per week in front of their computer trying to build a product, mm-hmm. trying to do some marketing on the side. And the likelihood that you burn out is not small because you have to juggle all your other responsibilities by yourself. So it's not the easiest route, I would say. Yeah, it doesn't sound easy at all. And also it's not an instant success, but you left your job for it or... Yeah, so I was working on it two, three months in parallel. And then I decided I want to do something by myself and for myself and also invest in the skill set. So I think it's no secret that many first-time founders fail, but then the second or third attempt is oftentimes successful. And with this knowledge, I also went into this journey or with this, let's say, um, expectation that Stuff couldn't work out in the beginning, but you build, let's say, the muscle for product building, design, marketing. You learn how to understand all the platforms that you are using, like SaaS tools that you're using for your product, or how it works to ship a product in the Apple App Store. All these things. And I I think if I had to build up to today again, it would maybe cost me half the time. And that's already a very valuable outcome. So when you were leaving your job, you were thinking like, okay, even if I fail right now, it will still be worth it. It will still be worth leaving the job. I think I'm not super risk averse in general, but I think coming from Germany, and the Berlin ecosystem. Having worked in tech before, I didn't see many risks, to be honest. I mean, time has changed a little bit, but um, in 2021, it was like really an employee market. So people left and right messaged me on LinkedIn, hey, would you like to join us? And recruiters messaged me and I felt like, okay, if this job, uh, if this startup attempt goes wrong, I might find something in a couple of months. So. I had some, um, I'm, I saved a lot of money, so I kind of prepared also for the journey. So I didn't spend all my money that I um, got from my previous um, jobs and I saved it for, let's say, this, this journey. And at the end of the day, the ecosystem in Berlin is really nice with all kinds of support frameworks that either give you access to coaching, funding, um, or just like scholarships like the Berlin Startup Scholarship. And I feel like with these circumstances, it's actually okay to take this this yeah. bet of um, betting on yourself. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I want to cover the up to part as well because I think it's really interesting. I feel like it's a good idea because whenever there's an event, there's a new WhatsApp group created and I hate this, honestly. Mm. I hate being in these WhatsApp groups all the time. And also these event websites that we also have in Berlin, I feel like they're really um, impersonal. Mm. But I saw a lot of similar apps on Product Hunt and even people around me are trying to hack together an event planning app. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's the issue here? Like what's the issue with Aptu and why it, it doesn't work? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm now, now smarter than when I started working on Aptu. So I think... It seems from the outside, this is a problem that cannot be solved, I feel like, or it's very difficult to solve. Mm-hmm. I think many people love to have closer relationships with their friends or make new friends, especially in a city like Berlin or in any other um, very, let's say, international city where you have expats coming in and they don't have a social network yet in the real world and they want to connect around interests or, I don't know, anything that they are passionate about. But it's very difficult to solve. So on the other hand, um, I was trying to build another social network in a way that helps you to uh, meet people in real life based on upcoming events in the future. That was kind of the premise 
of up to, but people are both tired of social networks in a way, yeah. even though I guess most people still spend as, as or so much time as never before um, on social networks with TikTok and Be Real coming up. And so it's very difficult to convince a large group of people to download another app and build a habit around using a new app. And the second thing is user growth. I mean, to make an app like up to work, you need a lot of people on the platform or especially, especially all your friends to make an idea like up to work in order to see what, other, what your friends are doing, to make plans with your friends. And if only one friend is missing, you have to go back to WhatsApp to organize something. And that's why I think I didn't see, let's say, such good odds that this will work in the future and uh, stopped investing more time in it. Even though I think with the right people, the right founder, and maybe the, the right uh, funding, you could make it work. When you say it's difficult to download an app, would this have been better if it was like a web browser thing? Probably, because the friction is way lower to get started. And I actually wanted to build a so-called universal app. So maybe for the tech uh, interested people in the audience, I have been uh, developing with React Native. It's a cross-platform framework, which allows you to use one programming la language and one framework and use the code for all the platforms that we all use, Android, iOS, and web and i wanted to build actually an app that works on all platforms but i due to the time constraints and i was not able to build the the app for web and unfortunately i started with mobile and later noticed i should have started with web maybe but so yeah for the acquisition of users or the sign up process onboarding web would have been better but in terms of let's say experience i think a native app is always uh, preferable or preferred so when was the time when you said okay this is not going to work anymore and like i'm pulling the plug mm. i mean frankly speaking building something being an entrepreneur at least for me but i've heard it from many other entrepreneurs as well like the journey has lots of ups and downs so sometimes i wake up and i'm like wow i'm super excited i'm on the right track on other days i'm like ah oh, Am I investing my time in the right project? I could maybe do something else or others are doing cooler stuff, you know? And so it was like, like for, for, for a few months, I was like, okay, it will be difficult to do this as an indie hacker or solo entrepreneur. I should find the co-founder. So I tried it actually for quite some time. I used the Y Combinator matching platform, talked to a lot of people. Lots of people were interested in my profile, but they were not really interested in the idea or the space in general because consumer apps and especially social networks are not very um, popular, yeah. especially in Europe, because it's way harder to make those businesses and products work. Um, so most people are interested in B2B, SaaS, that's very, or was super popular. And since I was not able to attract someone as a co-founder to basically to be able to share the responsibilities of building a successful company, I had to open myself up to maybe joining other ideas, maybe just to having conversations with other founders that already have an idea or already have started working on something. And I had lots of conversations, actually joined another accelerator program, you yeah, could say. Is this how you ended up in Antler? I think it's exactly. pretty well known. 
Yeah, so I also joined Antler, had the chance to meet, I think, 61 entrepreneurs, like people that uh, wanted to become founders or um, had been founders already in the past, some with exits, some that also failed, but like super smart and driven people. But within 12 weeks, you meet people, you mingle, you have some challenges to, to be able to see how every, everyone works and stuff. And then you have maybe four to five weeks to actually join forces and commit yourself to, to a team or to someone and then build a prototype to get an investment from Antler. Mm -hmm. And at around the same time, I met Tien, my co-founder, okay. here in the startup incubator Berlin. And we had, let's say, a head start in terms of our relationship. So we already saw how we work, how often we come to the office, how we pre present ourselves without knowing that we will work together. So it was no, we didn't have to pretend it to be someone forced. else. It was not forced, exactly. And I think that was a really good opportunity to get to know each other. Then we got to, got to talk about our ideas and at some point we were like, yeah, maybe we should work together. Yeah. yeah. So was this during Antler or after Antler in the startup incubator uh, Berlin? So Antler was more or less in parallel to my time here in the startup incubator as a recipient of the stipend, the scholarship. Okay. And Tien and I are in the same batch. So we met one and a half months before I joined Antler. So it was more or less in parallel, but we had like a few weeks time, let's say longer than we knew each other. Mm -hmm. So he also had a startup before Click. Your co-founder, Tian. Yes, yes. Shall I elaborate on that? <laughs> If <Or>? you want. <laughs> um, yes, Tian, right after university, he saw the hype around financial um, education and the uprise in investing and all that stuff. And he wanted to build a financial education startup. He actually built the startup as well. He incorporated it. They had some traction but they didn't find product market, uh, market fit, if I can say that. And yeah, he, they, didn't want it, uh, they didn't want to pursue the idea, but he got a lot of insights actually how influencer marketing works mm -hmm. uh, because he, they worked with a lot of influencers in the financial space and the insights that he, that he had brought him to come up with the idea of Click. And can you tell us about Click's business model then? Yeah, of course. So Click is an influencer marketing platform that focuses on the long tail of influencers. So the micro-influencers that are way smaller or are the smaller ones in the space. How small are we talking about here? Our sweet spot is between 2,000 and 20 to 30,000 followers. So like nano and micro influencers, right? Nano, micro, yeah. I mean, definitions vary across yeah. <laughs> uh, across research papers. Or So basically, we saw that those smaller creators are not as professional yet. They don't have such a big reach to be so relevant for, for brands, but they have a higher engagement rate with their audience. They are oftentimes more authentic. And at the end of the day, their followers and their community, let's say, trusts the, their opinion and recommendations yeah. more often. So um, we saw that if they promote a brand or like a product or service, they have higher conversions actually. And so the idea is that we match smaller content creators with brands in order for the creator to promote the brand's products and, um, products and services. And for the brand, we give them access to small content creators that can become authentic ambassadors for their offerings. 
And every time a smaller creator or the creator uh, promotes a product successfully, they will receive commission from the company. And since we are sitting in between, we will take a share of, of the value creation. So it's not an upfront payment to the influencer. Exactly. Yeah. So we are working with partner programs and the payout is only success-based. Okay. So that's also very interesting for a lot of brands uh, because they don't have to pay in advance and they don't have to be afraid that the return on ad spend won't be as desired. So mm -hmm. they only have to pay the customer acquisition costs or part of that as commission when they actually get the outcome that they wanted, which could be a sign-up or a sale. Yeah. To be honest, I shop with influencers a lot because it saves time and mm -hmm. money because then you don't need to try a lot of products and you don't need to look at all these shops, etc. Yeah. And you're right when you said small creators are a bit more trustable because they're not going to just, I don't know, like go and partner up with Neutrogena. But I feel like the latest trend in this influencer space is basically like it works like mass market, I think especially right now with TikTok, I feel like you're just waiting for your product to blow up on TikTok. I don't know if you would mm. agree with this or mm. not. Um, we are still super early. We still have lots of testing to do, but from the user feedback and from the insights that we have um, like gained so far, Instagram um, seems to be more viable for our current product because we are working with a link in bio page. I think Linktree, which is a pretty well-known link in bio page, Mm -hmm. But we help the creator to also get access to partner programs. So they create their their personal, let's say, landing page or link in bio page, and they can drag and drop their favorite brands onto their page and start promoting them from their personal page. And at the end of the day, users, visitors, and the followers of the creator need to visit this page to see the recommendations of the creator. And this seems to be happening more often on Instagram because people check more often the profile of a creator than on, on TikTok where you just swipe and the content is maybe yeah. more important than the creator itself. Whereas Instagram seems to be more like your your card, uh, your, how do you say, uh, your set card in the world. And people see your content. If you seem interesting, they actually check out your profile and um, try to see if they can find out more about you. And this drives a lot of uh, traffic onto those pages from which the recommendations are made. Yeah, that makes sense. I've heard a lot of things like, you know, a person chasing trends on TikTok, making like a meetup and nobody shows up, but they had a lot of views on mm. their video, for example. Yeah. But what I want to understand from the brand side is that do you think brands didn't know how to monetize this space before? Or maybe they just didn't have a reach or... No. Brands or many brands are very good at influencer marketing already, but they neglect the long tail of creators. So the smaller ones and for good reason. Um, a smaller creator uh, gives you way less sales and signups, etc. But the effort to source the creator, to manage the creator, to manage payouts, invoices, etc. is almost the same as with a big one. Mm -hmm. So that's why most brands opt for one larger one instead of 10 to 100 smaller ones. And we want to automate um, the entire process and build the product in a way that the creator has kind of a self-service journey. They find partner programs, apply for them, 
or maybe there are even products that can be that can be promoted without lots of requirements so they can start promoting their favorite products within a couple of minutes and we abstract away the entire fine sourcing management and invoicing for the brand mm -hmm. so where does click go from here this is what i want to know like <laughs> what is the next unanswered question for you Yeah, so we are now for uh, a couple weeks in um, our open beta. Beta, because there's still a lot of things that we have to improve on and we are still um, collecting a lot of feedback, testing, um, let's say, the need um, in, in the market at the moment. But yeah, we have pretty, pretty big milestones ahead of, uh, ahead mm -hmm. of us. Um, great expectations towards how many users we want to acquire and, and how we want to acquire them. And yeah, basically we have to invest a lot of time in user acquisition now. Mm -hmm. And our goal is to really showcase that we have product market fit yeah. um, this summer. And a potential next step would be um, a first funding round, probably with business angels. But we are not totally fixated on external funding uh, we could also see ourselves building a bootstrap company if it makes sense so yeah this decision will be made in a couple of months from now and this will i think be a major milestone for us and also deciding factor for the next steps what is the long-term vision of you guys i mean our mission is to enable content creators to make a living or earn money with their passion, which is content creation. And we are focusing on the smaller ones because they are not really, they are not focused at the moment by many brands. But obviously we don't want to lose those creators once they are too large for us. Yeah. We would like to grow with them and um, expand our product offering to meet the growing needs and pains uh, the creators will have in the future when they hopefully are growing and becoming bigger. And we also want to provide um, for the brands a top-notch experience on our platform and help them to find the right creators and maybe in the future also allow more user-generated content with, with Click. By the way, why is it called Click? So the name was already chosen when I joined Click. <laughs> okay. Um, but it resonated with me from, from the beginning. And yeah, it has basically two meanings. One is um, clicker, it's a German word, it stands for community, group of friends. Oh. And we wanted to play with this uh, meaning. And the other obvious one is to click on something. And let's say our domain pops really out in, in, in the profile, um, for instance, on Instagram, because it says click.bio slash your username. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of already a call to action to click on the URL of the LinkedIn bio page and we like that. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And my final question is that there are a lot of people in Berlin trying to create their own startup or like own company. What would be a tangible starting point for these people? I mean, there's so many different routes to that. It depends probably also on your seniority, how much experience you have made so far. But for me, a no-brainer is to to go to the events that are hosted frequently by all the incubators here in Berlin or other providers, meetups, etc. So if you are from Berlin, definitely check um, the, the, the events out from all those institutions. And then you can meet founders, you can talk to them, 
and oftentimes you can already join certain sprints for two weeks. You can iterate on your ideas, come up with ideas, meet people that also want to build something. And I think this is a great start. And then you can gradually become more invested, maybe uh, apply um, for a scholarship or uh, take part in a pitch event or in a business uh, model competition. All that stuff can also be done next to your um, studies or after work or on the weekend. So I think this would be a smooth start. Right. Uh, And where can our listeners reach you? Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter. I think this is my favorite platform. My username is Philippe Vick. And otherwise, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Just search for for Click. You will find me as one of the two current employees. <laughs> Great. Thanks for being here. It was fun. That was super cool. Thank you. Thank you.